Good evening, everybody. This is Paul from the Discover It podcast. This is Monday, the 7th of uh, October. And I uh, just want to uh, introduce Jody, and uh, he's going to be talking about the reactive attachment disorder and how it affects us in relationships and behavior and ways to overcome it. Jody, uh, you want to go ahead and, and start the uh uh, session this evening, and we'll be all open ears for you. Yes. Thanks, Paul. Um, like you said, I'm, I'm going to talk about a react, reactive attachment disorder and a little bit of a, like tra- traumatic attachment disorder. And um, to start out with uh, the Discover It, you know, we're talking about a lot of the, the brain connections and things like that. So, like, when we're born, your brain's kind of an, like an open field. Like, there's no real connections you're in that initial learning stage and anything that you see, you automatically accept as being true. And that's however you perceive things to be. So when we're developing, that's kind of where we're creating that identity for ourselves and who we think we are and creating those different connections in those brains on the way things are supposed to be. And we'll see how that kind of leads into this, into like some of our relationships later on. And, um, I like to think about like an open field where like you have all the cows out in the field. Well, eventually they start making these paths and they'll start creating a trail. And then once one of the other cows notices the trail, they'll start following that. And they kind of start to make like a more pronounced trail. And that's kind of how the connections in your brain work, where the more and more they're used and the more and more we use the same connections, they kind of enable that habit type of thing and that way of thinking. And, um, we're also going to talk about like different losses of attachment, like where this comes from, where we kind of tend to be disconnected from like a primary caregiver, um, different situations where if you're an orphan and you don't really have a primary care giver initially, or you switch and it just seems different, um, or however you perceive that type of thing, if your parents are working and you're expecting them to be there and the attachment is kind of a biological built-in safety feature that allows you to attach to your primary caregiver, your mother, your father, and need for security, safety, um, ways to feel comforted for food, and a lot of the typical needs like that. So it's kind of a survival type of requirement in order to attach to that. So, and it, it could be anyone. It's just, that's what you're looking for. And in those types of situations where you don't have that close bond, um, whether it's a traumatic event or a perceived traumatic event or something happens where maybe you were scolded like a very young age and it sparked that like fear, you're, you're going to tend to kind of shy away from that, that person and you're not going to want to attach them until something else re kind of builds that, that connection. And initially you don't have anything to compare a relationship to. You don't really have a, a way to determine how things are supposed to be. So you're kind of absorbing this stuff and deciding how you think things are supposed to be. So when people have this loss or initial loss of attachment, um, whether it's from that traumatic event or just not connecting, move around too much where you can't really get a good pattern, there's going to be like a lot of fear. And a lot of children with this will tend to have a lot of anger and maybe some different rage or traumatic uh, um, where they kind of have outbursts and stuff like that. Um, some of them will have a tense of 
disconnect where they'll have a lot of loneliness. They'll kind of shy away from attachment. Um, and if they link that mother or father to a traumatic event, then they're going to be looking for that attachment in other people. So they're going to be look, they'll be real friendly with other people, but they're going to somehow associate that negative aspect with that uh, mother or father. And there's going to be like a loss of trust and that loss of security. And they're going to carry that on like with other relationships once they get older. Uh, and as they get older, they're going to continue to want to look for that support. Like they might not have had that when they were younger. So they're looking, still looking for someone to like support them, somebody that's going to comfort them. Uh, they're going to have a lot of like seeking love and attention. Um, sometimes that attention can come in positive and negative, And you'll see that in children and adults, anything from, you know, just outbursts in school or uh, incidents with the law or just, a lot of children will completely disobey their parents to get that attention. And then when you get older, that could also be um, achievements. Like some people might continuously try to make big achievements, continue to try to do things. Um, I noticed when I was little, I, I did a lot of these like, uh, Hey dad, watch this. And I was trying to do like these spectacular things to get that attention from a parent. And that will carry on into like your, um, adulthood and different relationships like that. So uh, sometimes you'll have different control issues. Um, sometimes you'll always need people around, always have to like physically have a connection. And you'll see that in children real pronounced where like the mother will be home with the, the child and she'll have to go to the bathroom and the child will be right there at the door. Like, Hey mom, where are you? Type of thing. And they'll have different, connections as long as that child can kind of hear the parent they have a, at least a verbal connection and they'll have that sense of security there um, in different ways like that and that's kind of normal behavior that's a normal attachment and then when you have you know maybe drop them off at daycare when they get older they'll cry initially that's kind of normal they'll have that sense of loss of that attachment and then when they see the parent they'll be glad to see them again and a lot of different things that'll carry on into the, like your adult relationships is that lack of trust. Like if that parent kind of startled you and you have that loss of connection, um, you're going to have this sort sense of fear and not really trust exactly what they have to uh, offer. And so there'll be kind of some leery things like that. And it'll carry on into future relationships. I'm always trying to look for that sense of connection with those uh, new relationships. Um, partners or stuff like that. And if you have the traumatic event where the child feels like um, the parent doesn't love me and they, they never get over that when they're younger, they're going to tend to have that feeling like, well, if my parents, the ones that were supposed to care for me and love me the most, didn't seem to care for me, they might not feel this directly. But if they have that, like, if my parents didn't care for me, then neither is my partner. There's no way anybody could, you know, care about me and you'll kind of have that sense of abandonment um and you'll be able you'll see that in different relationships also and it tends to lead to like real low self-esteem um fear, uh, no trust fear of abandonment a lot of people get into a relationship and when they're scared that that partner is going to abandon them they'll just want to end the relationship because they don't want to go through that abandonment that they kind of it kind of triggers that thought process and those feelings from when they were little. 
Um, they're going to look for different types of connections and contacts with their new partner. That's like a normal type of thing. So if they're carrying that attachment disorder, they're going to kind of not feel connected. They're always going to be, have like different reservations for those partners. And there's a lot of things to help get over these. And one of the big things is, uh, it said, uh, use reasonable possibilities with evidence. Like if somebody, you can't get a hold of somebody, you know, all these things could be going through your mind. Like, Oh, are they cheating on me? Oh, maybe they're not coming back. All these different feelings. And you have to think to yourself, like, does this make sense? Is there good evidence? What are all the other possibilities that could have happened? Uh, maybe they got a flat tire. Maybe they're just late. Maybe they're um, working extra hours or something like that. There's a lot of different things. So when these triggers come up, we look for those different reasonable possibilities um, to try to mitigate that feeling. And it, it all breaks down to like that interpretation of how we are interpreting that event, not so much the actual facts. And so I heard this said, said a lot, um, feelings are not facts. A lot of those kind of carry over. Um, and you're going to hear this a lot. There's a, some three steps to kind of get over a lot of these, and it's the confront, identify, and be proactive. So these are, you know, recognizing that maybe something like this, maybe I have these different traits, and this is leading on into my adult relationships, you can kind of confront those and then identify the different things that cause those different triggered feelings um, that turn out not to be true. Um, once you recognize those, they'll kind of go up as little red flags. Like every time you have this feeling, this little trigger, you can be like, wait, this is not a real um, event, a real feeling. This is just a triggered feeling from before. And you can start to approach them in like a, a more comforting type of way. And a lot of these things will help boost your self-esteem, um, doing different things um, that will help your emotional skills, like dealing with people. If you're really shy around people, kind of break outside that comfort zone. Um, different personal, interpersonal skills with boundaries and things like that. And becoming aware of what you need. And a lot of these initial interactions that we have, we have to remember that they kind of set like that boundary. Like those are the initial paths that are kind of created in our mind. And without actually doing things recognizing that that's not true and that we can do things different. That's where this all comes in. And boundaries are important. Looking at how we interact with um, our partner with regards to like new expectations. Um, initially we'll have all these expectations of abandonment. Well, once we realize that's not going to be true, you know, we can have those, those new boundaries and kind of stop enabling those initial thoughts and feelings that we had from when we were little. So those are some ways for uh, reactive attachment disorder. Thank you very much for, you know, talking about the uh, that topic. And uh, you really did a very good job on that. Um, lots Thanks, of times Bob. when, lots of times when people have the uh, attachment disorder, they are very insecure in their life and they have a problem uh, dealing with people. And a lot of them become introverted rather than uh, uh, 
extroverted, and we try to live our lives through others, and uh, that doesn't work. Eventually, it'll catch up with us later on in life, and, uh, you know, we have to deal with the the problem of uh, the attachment disorder and come to the realization that we have to move on. We have to confront our condition, identify what it is, and then, of course, become proactive, which means uh, to work ourselves out of the uh, condition itself. Anybody on the conference call uh, would like to ask any questions? Yeah, I would like to uh, just say a few things. Um, Because I can relate to that a lot. The reactive uh, attachment disorders, did I say it right? Right. I think some of it comes from the relationship I've had at a young age with my... uh, Let me switch to my phone here. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes from the relationship I've had with my parents at a young age. There was a lot of space between, I I would say, emotional and mental and physical space between parent and kids. There wasn't a lot of uh, closeness. And then on top of that, there was conflicts that we dealt with that just added to the uh, difficulty and the some of the challenges that we had. And a lot of times I find myself trying to find the connection in how I currently go about relationships and how much of that stemmed from, you know, those relationships in the past. And I, I uh, referred to the confront, identify and be proactive a lot when I'm helping you know, or talking to people through issues that they're having. Because one of the biggest things I see as a route to uh, the difficulty in overcoming those challenges is just the inability to see the the challenge itself. So when we, um, there's lots of reasons why we are not able to see that problem to begin with, like, uh, cognitive dissonance that we've talked about in uh, past past calls, um, denial, things of that nature. So we tend to shapeshift, in a sense, the problem that we're having into all sorts of different meanings. So an issue I, I see that a lot of people have, and I had a I had more of an issue with it in the beginning, was being able to to first confront to see that there was something that wasn't working the way that I wanted it to or didn't align with my goals or my principles or morals as a person and first accepting or believing that I can actually do something about it to change that and then identifying the, the real root of the problem being open to that process as well as something I see that a lot of people that are new to self-development that, uh, you know, may be initially resistant to the, some people think we just are who we are and, you know, for better or for worse, we got to deal with it. But to those of you that are new, that are going into uh, a big transformation or a change 
are trying to correct some of the past negative uh, pre-programmed conditioning. One of the one of the very important key factors is being able to actually identify where that's coming from and being open to looking looking at your situation from from all angles. And I think that uh, it leads to the benefit and the, the power in having a mentor or having someone. I was just talking to uh, Courtney earlier today, a friend of mine. She's, uh, she's at a point in her life where she's very, very, she says she's stubborn. She's a tourist. She's very resistant to criticism, to have to, in her own words, being vulnerable, opening herself up to a mentoring relationship where she knows that so many deep concerns or issues that she's having and that she's been holding in for so many years will be uncovered. And I explained it to her as it, it being a lot of junk that she's storing inside and it, it smells funky and it feels uncomfortable when it, when it comes out for sure. But it's a discomfort that, outweighs in terms of the pain that it caused that it that it will cause and the discomfort and the vulnerability that she's trying so hard to avoid outweighs holding it inside of you because it's still the same mess. It's just inside and you're not able to actually see clearly that the effects it is having on your outcomes in life. And it, all the relationships that you sow, the seeds that you sow currently are results of that junk that we're keeping inside and hiding away from the, our consciousness so that we're not able to actually confront it. And it's a valid concern, a valid fear. I believe it initially we want to avoid any of the, any of the discomforts uh, in life um, until I heard t Tony Robbins say it, um, put it in a, in a very clear point that sometimes you got to weigh the pain and, and the uh, reward and see which just like with the, the issue she's having the discomfort and the vulnerability that she's seeking to avoid with making herself uh, transparent and, and being willing to work with someone who she knows their main objective is to get to the root of her, her, any issues that she's having things that are tied to deep dysfunctions and challenges from her, from her past that she's really rather not look at ever again, if she, if she had to, but realizing that the challenges that we go through, the obstacles that we're really all here to overcome and to free ourselves from are oftentimes very deeply rooted in that, which we're running away from that, that which we seek to avoid so when you said conf that confront, identify, and uh, be proactive, because that's the, the magic touch in the whole sequence is the being proactive, because once you do confront and identify, which is the, all the power lies there, because that's, you can't be proactive. It's like, uh, throwing paint at a canvas in the, in, in the dark and maybe to some abstract art enthusiast, you might come up with something, but um, in reality, it's very hard to 
hit your target when you don't see what the where the target is. So you you're very you're if you look at it mathematically, you're greatly re- reducing your uh, the probability that you'll succeed if you're not able to see what it is that you're actually um, targeting. And so you could be pro. There's a lot of people I see that all the all the time that they're very proactive, they're very positive, they're very hopeful, but they're living in this bubble where they're trying with everything in their soul to avoid the nasty part. And it's very, like I said, it's very understandable to avoid that, but not realizing that the harm that they're causing, it's, it's not worth the discomfort initially that you would feel confronting it. Being open, I, I, I always say being open, I go back to that because I attribute a lot of the growth that I've had and the success to not always uh, knowing the answer or um, not just being willing to identify or putting forth the effort to do so, but, but being open to someone suggesting, suggesting that is even the solution. Because if you're not at least, if you're not willing to take a chance and to open up to another perspective or another idea, then you may not be exposed to those sorts of things to begin with. Because uh, confront, identify, and be proactive, it makes all the sense in the world, but I hadn't come, came to that conclusion on my own. You know, a lot of that was uh, from Paul taking a, an objective view of what I was going through and then inserting his wisdom and experience through things that he, you know, resources that he gathered his knowledge from and from life experience. And then just being open to that, um, I believe led to a lot, a lot of the, the, the growth, a lot of the overcoming of, of those obstacles that were standing in my way from where I was to where I am now. And um, to some extent, you know, I, I still, it's a, it's an ongoing process. And, and I think that's something that helps for everyone to understand when you're going through anything in life. We, a lot of, a lot of people seek to hurry up and achieve, you know, they, they want to, they're willing to put in the work, but they, they're hoping it'll hurry up and be, and be over with and that they can get to the fun that they wanted to, to you know, to enjoy and, and not have to go through that process anymore. But I think, there's a lot of freedom in acknowledging it and accepting that that's a part of the process of life is, is an ongoing, ongoing growth. I'm, I believe one of the truths to life or the, just the reality of what it is, is that it's, um, it's in our nature to live is to overcome obstacles. It's a part of it. And, uh, when we, when we seek to rid ourselves of that one, we're setting ourselves up for a, a goal that, that isn't real, that, that never comes. So we set ourselves up for a disappointment. And then also we miss out on, even if initially we experience it, cause we're, you know, we're willing initially to, to push and to fight and to, to take on our challenges. But once we become disappointed and discouraged, 
then we start to deteriorate, deteriorate. We begin to lose our life in that aspect. So, uh, we really miss out on that opportunity whenever we, when we, uh, you know, adapt that, that mindset of hurry up and achieve and, uh, get through it and be done with it. So that's my thoughts on it. Um, and great job, Jody. I'm glad we uh, brought this topic up. It's something that's, uh, I can definitely relate to and I've gone through and, uh, I think it'll help a lot of people listening. Appreciate it. Uh, let's look at the word, uh, Ray mentioned earlier that, uh, the word junk, but the dictionary says old or discarded articles that are considered useless or of little value. <clears throat> Lots of times we don't realize that this junk is nothing but past program conditioning. And uh, the problem with that is that we have shame and guilt based upon that past program conditioning. And that's what we go throughout life uh, lots of times, not knowing that we don't even know uh, the feelings and emotions that we're feeling each and every day. But uh, we appreciate the uh, participation tonight. And uh, Jody, really enjoyed your uh, uh, topic tonight. And uh, ask anybody else, do they have any more questions that they'd like to discuss this evening? Okay. We uh, go ahead and uh, end the call for, for this week and uh, look forward to everybody being on call next Monday night at 730. All right, cool. All right, once again, y'all, this is Ray Randolph, one of the hosts here at uh, Discovery Podcast with Paul Massingo. You heard from Jody today about the, the reactive attachment disorder. I really encourage you guys to open up to the concept and, uh, as always, feedback is greatly welcomed. Any feedback that you have, um, send us a comment, shoot us an email. We'll have a link to the email at the bottom of the page. As we come out with more social media, we'll add links to, to those at the bottom of the website. And thanks for listening. Thanks for, for uh, checking out the, the webpage. But don't forget the top right tab. If you're on mobile, it's the three lines in the top right corner. Um, if you're on a desktop website, it'll be the subscribe button up in the top right corner, and that will sh will send you to uh, or point you in the direction of links where we have our podcast listed on all your favorite players. We've got Apple on the way, Pandora on the way. We're linked to Spotify um, and Pocket Cast. Do you have anything you'd like to add, Paul? Uh, phone number, 515-604-9530. Uh, access code 655-145. And that is the number to call directly into the conference call. So listening to the podcast is awesome, but give us a call. Feel free. Do not hesitate. 730 Eastern Standard Time every Monday. Call that number. I repeat that number for him, Paul. 545-604-9530. And the access code is 655-145.
awesome. A lot of good stuff on the way. Make sure you subscribe. Make that way you're uh, in the loop as we release new podcasts. You'll be notified. If you listen to podcasts, you know how that works. Again, this is Discover It Podcast with Paul Massingill. And you guys have a good night. Bye. We're going to be testing your editing skills, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure now. <laughs> <laughs> we still on the recording? Yeah, I just, but Ray's already up. We're going to have to edit it. You want me to stop it? <laughs> yeah. <